Hello, and welcome to the Ever Widening Circles podcast, designed to give you more joy, less fear, and no end to the evidence that a bright future is actually possible for us all. We want you to hear from thought leaders in a wave of progress well underway around the globe that almost no one knows about. This podcast will give you hope for the future and help you take control of your life online. I'm Dr. Linda Ulrich, founder of Ever Widening Circles. Since 2014, we've been restoring people's hope in the future by writing thousands of articles about insight and innovation going uncelebrated in our world. And along the way, we've been having incredible conversations with thought leaders that we are now sharing. Today, we're gonna be having some serious fun with a thought leader from the food world who has found a way to make generosity a community affair by combining food, culture, education, and so much more. Yadira Garcia is first and foremost a proud Dominicana. Do I have that right, Yadira? Yes. Okay, great. (laughs) And she's professionally trained chef with natural foods and certified in integrative health as an integrative health coach. Um, And she grew up in the South Bronx, New York City. She calls herself the people's chef for a a reason I'm going to hope she shares with us in just a second. So welcome, Yadi. Can I call you Yadi? Does that yes, sound Yes, please. Okay, great. And, uh, you know, help me finish introducing your work because the further I dove into all the, the things you're doing, the more wonder I found. Help us get started with all that you're doing. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here today to share in good vibes and vibrations. I truly believe that we need to strengthen and build that mosaic network of leaning into finding the good because wherever we think of expands and grows. And I have really seen that in my own life and career. When I hear the glossy bio, I'm always like, who is that? Um, But it's been such an organic and wonderful journey. So yes, I am a chef and I am a classically trained chef. But I found that what happens when you tell people that you're a chef, the first question is always, uh, what restaurant do you cook at? Who do you cook for? Or where do you work? And my kitchen is the world, is the community, right? I cook for my people. So where you will find me is in community gardens and churches in classrooms, wherever there are, you know, circles of human connection. I insert myself into there because I think food is such an indelible part of our life and our culture and our soul, really. And I love to show how food ties us more together than it could ever separate us. And the journey, even just looking at where a seed may have started to where it ends up migrating, it's so much like the human story. Um, So, yes, I do work with food, but really I work with love and compassion and humanity. Ah, that. (laughs) Okay. That's just where we need to be right now. Don't you think? (laughs) Okay. So 
Starting from there, you and I had a very brief conversation right before we started recording. Mm -hmm. And um, I I try and keep these conversations, real conversations of discovery. So that's why there's not going to be very much contrived here between us. So let's just see where it goes. But I tell you, I did spend the last half hour diving into lots of things about you on the on the web. And I came up with some things I just got to ask you about that are... (laughs) That, that are, may come as a surprise. So first, hearkening back to what you just finished talking about, you mentioned right before we started recording, food memory. Talk to me about how that unites us all. Oh Somebody- my God, yes. So just so I feel like a lot of times when we talk about food, the conversation, it, it can be about like, diet culture, about food pathways or certain ways that people eat, but there's so much freedom in food. There's so much fun. There's so much liberation. There's so much space to, to make, to break the rules, to make them up. To So I love starting when I talk to people, I love starting with talking about a food memory, right? Tell me, because we all have some kind of food memory that is usually tied to a family or usually tied to a special occasion or to a celebration. And, you know, I know our viewers can't see us right now, but, you know, when I come in as a chef or a health coach and I start the conversation with food memories or sharing about growing up with my own three generations, my grandmother, my great grandmother and my mother, I might be a trained chef, but my first food memories came from being barely tall enough to look over the counter and seeing my great grandmother make sofrito and things like that. And I see the corners of the mouth turn up into a smile. When I ask about a food memory before the memory even comes up, I see the food memory settle in the face, in the soul, in the body. I f- you feel the tangible energy. That's so true. I'm getting goosebumps, head toe, head toe. <laughs> I'm sure you have a food memory. Yes. Many food memories, but food memories dating back to your childhood that are are special. And maybe you've transferred to your own children or, or traditions. Yeah. And you know, mine usually involve a wise elder. And you did just mention that, right? Someone who is kinder than they needed to be. Someone who always preserved our dignity. Someone who, who, (laughs) who was often such a character that they were, they were just a constant source of what? (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. So many of my memories and so much of what I know about my great grandmother and grandmother, I've unfolded through food stories, right? I realized that so many of the moments, so many of the lessons, the recipes that we were making, who they were molding was me. You know, Mm. what they were sharing in those moments, right? Those transitional moments of passing down recipes and Mm. of creating these traditions. So, you know, the world is looking a little different nowadays. The holidays may be looking a little different, but I said it can still feel the same in our hearts and in our souls by tapping into those memories. Yeah, this is some real important landscape (laughs) to cover right now right before we go into the holidays, which could be filled with contempt. So, you know, we stay away from politics with a 10 foot pole here, but we all have these notions about family members and the people where we sort of, it's easy to go down that sort of negative mindset about what we have to put up with, let's say Mm -hmm. at the holidays, rather than celebrating what brings us together. 
I'm sure. Tell me, tell me some stories from your upbringing that maybe involved a, a crazy uncle or wacky niece, but, but you overcome it. Food helps us come together. I said just before we started, you can almost never have an enemy in somebody you've shared a meal with. Yes. And especially someone you make and share a meal with as well. You know, Ooh, there's a collaborative process. You each bring something to it. And it's such a, it's a, it's spiritual, you know, it's not religious. It's a spiritual connection, right? It's a reverence for the, the space that we're occupying right now, the earth that we're on that has been so abundant to us to let us be here, right? We're in a communication with our environment and with our families. And of course, I'm a Latina woman. I have many interesting characters in my family. uncles <laughs> <laughs> to aunts to grandmothers and great-grandmothers who all live their life very differently, right? They all We all beat to our own drum. But when it came time to celebrate a holiday and make a meal, for example, like uh, pasteles, which are like, um, it's like the Mexican tamal. It's like a wrapped food, right? So you got to make the dough. So it's like everybody's peeling the plantains and grinding de- grinding it down to make what we call the masa. Then another person is seasoning the meat. Then the little kids, because you want to get them involved because this is a rite of passage, but they can't really be cooking yet. They're cutting yarn and putting it around their their necks because they're the yarn holders. That was a very serious job when I was uh, 10 years old. And I was walking around with 200 strings of of yarn around my neck. And I knew that, you know, you know, my my aunt would come and grab one off and I'd watch how each one did a different bow. So they actually, although they were all the same, they knew which like which ones they had touched and stuff. And then you'd exchange them. And it was like. When I think about it, I didn't even realize when I was small the magic that I was experiencing, but it is truly what I try to transfer now into every community that I step in. When we are sharing a meal, we're teaching a class, when we're discussing a recipe, we all have a moment to be family, right, to connect. So we may all be different in our thoughts, but I'm asking us to be present right now, right here, right? What a gift to give yourself, to be present, because so much we live in the future, or we're regressing to the past. Yeah. So when we have moments to tether ourselves to the present, I really ask people to grind down into that. Okay, whatever ground your gears today, ground your gears. But right now I want you to grind down on these beans, you know? Uh-huh. And and it's that, it's the it's it's a visceral feeling. You see it from the touching to the release. You see the bodies change. Mm-hmm. And and for me, it's a, it's a, for, I am so lucky that I get to, to kind of be in each of these spaces, just watching this magic happen. And so I always say we may be cooking, but it can be therapy one day. It can, it just takes on whatever it needs to be in that moment. Oh, that is such a great point. Whatever it needs to be in that moment. And, you know, I, I'd love to get your opinion on this too. I've, I've noticed in our family, uh, we were just my husband and I, we have kids that were 27, 23, and 20. And then when the pandemic hit in March, everybody came home and everybody brought their significant other. So we went from a household of two to eight and we made it work just fine. And the thing that brought us together was cooking. Yes. Cooking and dinner table became sort of that time out of 24 hour period where we talked about what we were thinking. We talked about 
you know, what was going to happen next or what, what was possible that, you know, whatever we each brought back to this household <laughs> on the baggage, <laughs> the good stuff and the bad, that cooking together, uh, cooking became a, a much more important part of our lives. Tell me about how you've experienced that in the city, because I'm talking about, I, I live in Vermont, about an hour south of Montreal in a rural area, but was that true in, in urban places too, you think? Oh, yeah, I, I think for sure. And one of my obsessions, especially being in a city, is to pull nature in more all, all the time, because I feel that many times living in, you know, urban cities, we can feel more part of the buildings than we do part of like the park. And it's really important to remember that we're part of nature. We are extensions and part of it as well. Right. So I'm known to build farms and green spaces anywhere I go. And we're mm. talking about a windowsill, a two-inch windowsill, which is all you need, like window farming. I talk about that all the time, right? That's such a great concept. That's just yes. like over that. That is such a great concept. SOS, put, put out your greens. You know what I mean? So right. I have several kids, adults, elders growing oregano, basil, mint, cilantro, time things for their teas their salads all this stuff like on their windowsill so i always encourage people i'm known to gift gives of seeds i give people seeds like you are the seed this is the seed do what you want with it and so i have found so for me food the food story specifically as a chef many times the story starts on the plate but for me it starts way before that right so like where our food is coming from Who's growing it? And how do we bring that into our environment? So in the city, I'm also always connecting people to farmers markets or to growing their own food and just just reminding them that we have all of these options. So even being inside of New York City, you know, you can be as connected to nature as you want or need to be. And it's very, I think, very important as we transition through seasons and as we've transitioned through this year where we've been asked to stay at home more, how do we keep that communal connection to nature and to each other? So I have found that digital cooking classes, right? So it's like having people grow food and like also gathering online to cook, and I've been doing emergency feeding services. So I've been cooking scratch cook meals to get out to the community. So even if you can't go to the restaurant or you're not going out as much right now, or maybe from a financial need, you've been affected, you can still have that like home cooked meal or you mm-hmm. can still have that food. And let me tell you, all the emails and all the communication that I get, there's so much joy. So no matter what people are experiencing, it's like, girl, that chicken or that gravy tasted like my mom's gravy or it didn't taste. And they end up sending me a recipe and telling me and I get into these like long winded exchanges. I feel like I have all these aunts online and uncles and some people that I've never met. Nephews, you know, because I have kids that write me yeah. who have baked who are There are 10 year olds baking sourdough. OK, ten year olds. There's like a giant community that sprung up. I have a, a live, live organisms in my basement. My daughter's all into it. Yeah, right. people are feeding either starters yeah. or they're making fermented foods like kombucha or sauerkraut or kimchi. And like these things are so beautiful because they tap into our ancestral healing and wisdom yeah. as well. 
I love this. Okay, so there's so many things. I, I, if you see me looking down and writing, by the way, Yadi and I can see each other for this podcast. I, I hope someday to be recording these um, because the smiles, my face sometimes hurt after I record these podcasts because the people I interview make me smile so much. That's a, that's a good problem to have, huh? Yes. So before we get away too far from the ideas you just talked so much about, and I was writing furiously, I know that you're really, really involved in this, in the community garden movement. Now, you may know, Yadi, that I have this huge global website where we've been writing about all the positive news in the world that isn't getting the light of day for seven years. And we've got this great article about a group that's discovered you can plant a two-acre garden in a container. Yeah, you can grow the equivalent of a two-acre garden in a container. There's this whole culture doing that in cities. But talk to me some more about your experience with community gardens and and what that looks like as far as access to making the world a better place. Well, I so I love to say that New York City has like a really huge matrix of community gardens, over 550 community gardens. And the Bronx specifically, which is where I'm from, the largest concentration of them. So the information and knowledge is so important because it's so empowering. So we yeah. can think maybe sometimes like, oh, you're in a city. Like I don't have, I, when I ask kids, oh, where do you think farms or nature are? They go upstate or another state or far away. And then I go, okay, put on your coats because we're about to walk to one right now. And they're like, oh my God, miss, this is right here. Right? So like we... So you reframe their perspective and you watch them all of a sudden even love their neighborhood even more, right? And start to appreciate, appreciate, like I say, being present where you are now and what you have. Because sometimes I love sharing good news. It's it's a lot of what I do on my Instagram when I'm not showcasing my work because you're so right. There's so much good happening in this world. And I've, I, I was obsessed when I heard about the getting to come on this podcast. I was like, I've been seeing this since I was a little kid. So thank you for doing this. Like, where's the good news hour, right? Yes. yes. Well, we're we're truly been committed to validating the best that's in each other and the world since 2014. So we just didn't jump on the good news bag and bandwagon when things got really dark recently. <laughs> <laughs> Even back in 2013, when I started this whole adventure, that's why I started it. Yadi, I was a dentist for 25 years, and I I loved and knew people deeply who had always been once chipper people, and they were. I could see we were all starting to develop a kind of future fatalism about about what was to come. Even back in 2014, little did we know we'd be where we're at today, right? But we're, we're soldiering through this together. And that's why I'm talking to you. Because I think food has this remarkable capacity to bring us together in something that we can all celebrate. And that's what I really recognize about your work is the sense of celebration. So you just said a few things. I looked at a lot of interviews that you've had. And you've just said a few things that I noticed were themes in these interviews that I really want you to get an opportunity to share with us. One of them was this thing that we (laughs) were constantly saying to a broken record stage at ever widening circles, but that that we we should be focusing on what we can do no more than what we can't talk to us about your notions about that not every day is going to be a great day but there's something great in every day right oh right there's starting with the fact that we open our eyes 
I always say that's the first miracle, right? The morning miracle. I'm a morning miracle. Woo, I'm here, right? Okay. wake up. So I always tell my students, my community, I wake up every day expecting miracles. And I already did because I woke up today. Yes. So I am consistently proven right by the universe, right? So what you look for will amplify. Yes. So I am consistently believing and looking at things working in my favor and for the higher good. I see a ladybug. I'm like, oh, that's a sign from the universe. That was for me, you know? So I have this beautiful relationship with the universe where I feel like I'm being guided. And I even, I, I came to food because I was healing from a previous injury. So it's something that I could have looked at as a very detrimental thing. I was a legally disabled woman. I have four herniated discs, two pinched nerves, a broken shoulder, broken tailbone. But my life was being redirected, right? I was being redirected to to heal first for me to heal and then to share that healing love because so much of what I did in my own healing journey was to pull on things that my 99 year old great grandmother had taught me. Right. Oh, back to that wise elder. Yes. Back to that ancestor. I mean, we are the future ancestors, so we have to behave like that. Right. But I think about in times of of peril, I do. I I think about my great-grandmother and my grandmother and my mom coming to this country. My mom is like the happiest person you will ever meet. She is a woman who migrated here, who overcame a lot of adversity. And you'd only know these things by asking her her life story. And as I've gotten older, I've been able to realize that she's so protective of her joy because that's something nobody can take or have from her. Absolutely. You know, that, that is so, proud about. Yeah. And so am I. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I, I, I was constantly reminding my children when they were little to never let anyone steal their joy. Yes. yes. Never. This is, this may be, we could go off down this path for sure, but this may be one of my biggest beefs with social media is that, you know, I believe in the potential of the of the internet. I think we're just waiting to open a new era there once we sort of really understand the game being played with our emotions. Yes. Because it should be and could be such a powerful force in our lives. And I, I do believe that we're going to get there. But that's my one real beef with social media is that we allow it to steal our joy. I mean, this is a this is an unconscious thing that we're allowing to happen to ourselves because we could choose what we give our attention to. We're just going a lot through life on autopilot. Oh yeah, and I'm my my little corner of the internet is very curated. So I'm very conscious into what I consume um, and who I follow and I ch- I choose to I only follow positive people, positivity, good news, like I share you know, cause that's what I want to see. And that's what I want to feed kind of like a, like a meal, you know? And I talk, I try to talk to kids about that too, because I've, I, you know, I'm young, but, but I still had a whole childhood without social media, you know, social media didn't come about until I was like towards the end of college. So I got to be a kid and I got to, you know, have my awkward years and do all my things without really thinking about what anybody else thought about it. And so it's something that I'm adding now to on top of not letting people take your joy and exhibiting that is to to understand that this is not like the Truman Show. You know, if you don't want someone watching, turn it off. If you don't want to if you don't want to look like there's so there's such a full spectrum on which to live life, you know, and we can't just be living on 
on two decibels. We got, I, I, I want to play with the whole, all the colors in the rainbow. I always say that's fine. And I'm not taking that away. I crowd out the bad by everything else that I put in. So there's just not space for a lot of the negative stuff. Absolutely. That is, that's such wise advice. Not sure, Brittany, it's my producer had, had shared this with you, but I've recently published a book called happiness is an option. And that is the essential thesis of the book is that, that we choose what to allow into our worldview. I mean, that's the, that's the most empowering, wonderful thing about the internet. We aren't the victims there. The internet relies on our attention. What we click on, we get more of. That's a hundred percent up to us. We're not the victims there. Once we realize that there's this, there's this mechanism, we can do what you just suggested. We can shape our news feeds. We can shape our worldview to include a whole spectrum of things, both, both good and bad. I mean, we need to know about the struggle in the world, but we also need that other half, the affirming half that makes us able to love and appreciate the differences in each other and the variety that's, that makes the spice of life, right? Listen, we are in a blue ball suspended in air floating in a galaxy. Whenever anybody challenges my perception of reality, I'm like, pull back for a second. You're literally talking to me on a blue ball suspended in the air floating around. Like anything is possible. We can, and I'm not being naive. I am being a realist in thinking this way. You know, we can, and, and for me, working with food has been such a freeing way to prove that, right? Because I've taken my food journey and a food journey as a chef and I've deconstructed and busted it open. Why does a chef have to be only in a restaurant or behind closed door? Why can't I be farming in my community and picking the food and having these experiences with my people and cooking it together and enjoying and laughing about it and sharing about our celebration foods? And and why can't the world be my restaurant or these communities? And I've subscribed for that for the past five years and it just keeps growing. It just keeps growing. What we give our, I love something you said a minute ago, what we give our attention to gets amplified. That's I think both internally and externally, right? gets amplified in our in our inner lives and it gets amplified in our external lives too right well i saw so i'm going to skip ahead and i saw one of the questions and something that you said when we were talking was be kinder than you need to be and like i had seen in one of the questions like what like what does that kind of mean to you and and honestly the first thing that jumped out to me is be kinder than you need to be to yourself first because Everything that we do is usually a reflection of, of how we feel first about ourselves and how we're, we're dealing with ourselves. So sometimes if it's hard to, to show up in the world with love or with a kinder heart, I've also found that it, it may be first that you're being harder on yourself. So be, be kinder than you need to be first to you and be present because sometimes the, the you that we're, we're holding to the stake or the you that we're thinking about is not even the you that you are anymore. <laughs> oh yeah. It could be a super old story about ourselves. Super old story. I'm like, you're in chapter two right now. We're already, yeah. we're already on the next book, you know? Yeah. And, and a lot of others hold us to old stories. Yes. yes. I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty I, I change my way of thinking about things all the time. I mean, people radically improve my way of thinking 
all the time. And I find that my, that there are people in my life who only get to see me once every, my, my family back in Illinois only get to see me periodically. And, and I'm always noticing that they're holding me to what I said six months ago or a year, which would be normally still true for most people. <laughs> I talked, I have the privilege of, and the complete sheer joy of talking to people like you so much that I'm constantly evolving. Well, don't they say that every, I think it's every seven years you turn, you've turned over like every cell in your body. So you're actually physically a new person, but like, it's like, if, if we just like, this is why I love nature. If we just grind down into nature, it has so much to teach us about ourselves, right? Like the constant change, like yesterday was not like today is, and is not like tomorrow will be. There are similarities in it, Right. And that's why I love like working with food seasonally too. like what we have available and abundant to us now is not what we may have next month. So let's be present and really enjoy what we have right now. That is such a good food eating cooking reminder. Just because we can find it in the grocery store doesn't mean it's at its peak of goodness right now. Right. A A tomato in winter and a tomato in summer are not the same tomato, honey. No, no, no. And, you know, this can take us, if we observe that, this can take us on some food journeys, some some real discoveries to try and stay with what's seasonal. Now, that's really hard for me here in Vermont. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I would imagine you have a bit of access to, to more of that. But, you know, something I don't want to run out of time to talk about that you said a few moments ago, or you said something very close to it that I heard you say on an interview was, you have to see it to be it. Talk to me about that expression in your life and and what you can recommend to us for these times. Yes. Um, And part of this goes about how we curate information that we get and how we look for information that we get. You know, I loved, I love to operate from a place of yes, I can, or yes, we can. So the first thing I often do when I have a vision in my heart or a dream, or I, I start looking for like-minded people, right? I start looking for other people that have occupied the space before or have tried or, you know, like a little seed. I'm very protective about it, right? Like a little seedling. I'm, I start to water it. What do I, what do I want to grow here? And now I get to see, I get to do that with my kids, see it to be it. I come in as a, a woman of color into spaces and I say, I am a chef. Oh, and to them, some they're like, what? Oh, I've never met a, a female executive chef or I've never seen a chef out in her community or I, you know, and I, I start to realize it, it's the see it to be it, that something that was instilled in me was really important to transfer over is that we need representation. So when we talk about joy, we need to see joy. We need yes. to experience joy. We yes. I literally come in playing salsa music, Celia Cruz, dancing. I mean, there's no way that you're not going to crack a smile, right? right? So I create, so rather than asking people also to experience joy, I embody joy. I am joy. I don't ask anybody to be anything that they don't feel, but what is natural to them. Right. For them to see, you know, because I do food justice and food equity work. So you could definitely, there's a lot of grimacing figures and numbers and a lot of things that you can ground down into and say, oh my God, this is never going to end. But I choose to not look at it in that peripheral. I look at it as this is definitely doable in a delicious and wonderful way. And the more people that we add to this beautiful web, like the stronger it's going to grow until we have a big melting pot. 
Oh, that is so, that is, okay. So you, t- you, you speak about in one of the interviews, the small child army that's learning. Tell me about the small child army that's learning. Well, at this point, so I'm in year five now, and I have the, the deep, deep honor. One of the things that I do is I develop nutrition educational programs and I scale them into schools or into community spaces. So all that means is that I get to have so much fun with kids cooking and teaching them about food and connections. And so much of what we do a lot is talking about things versus doing them. So it's so different to talk about food versus to get in there and just make some applesauce or make a smoothie or do some things, right? And so I realized, I said, oh, I don't even have to talk anymore that much because after a child's taken a cooking class, I see them run with it, right? So all of a sudden they're cooking at home or I have parents telling me about a salad or a smoothie they made together or how their six-year-old is super excited. They're picky eater, right? Because this is what I love. There are no picky eaters, but they're picky eater because I'm known to bust through that. Is eating Brussels sprouts or is eating broccoli or they're coming home doing the Hulk dance. Um, <laughs> yeah, because everything green is Hulk for me. I've realized that's the key with little boys. Uh, you just updated to whatever green cartoon character. was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Then it's Hulk. I... Yes, you're right. The green characters on TV are powerful. Right down to Kermit the Frog. Yes, any, any I, such great. So you connect it. You know, again, you bust the food out of this box, and all of a sudden, they're having Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Their four broccolis are their four characters. You know, and they're so it's 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 that. So I call them my small child army because I'm not just in one location. I'm all over five boroughs in New York. So we have these really beautiful clusters of communities. Again, I think of them like the farms and the community gardens that we're growing, that we're sprouting, that we're working with. And I know, you know, I'm only in year five. I just feel like I'm going to look back in another four or five years and some of them are going to be teaching alongside of me, making it better than I could have ever, like making it their own recipe. You know, it gets passed down to you, but growing it in their own communities organically. Oh, that is such a, okay. So this is a view of possibility. I want to take some time with, we're going to break for just a minute to Mm -hmm. allow me to chat just a quick minute about someone who's an organization that's helping ever widening circles grow and thrive by their, their connection to us. So I'm going to take a break and then we'll come back and we'll continue this. I'd like to take a break from our chat and thank one of the companies that is proving it is still an amazing world with their work. Pura Vita Bracelets is a jewelry company that provides full-time jobs to artisans worldwide and has partnered with more than 175 charities over the last few years to donate nearly $2.8 million to causes selected by their customers when they make a purchase. It's a wonderful model. On the Pure Vita website, you can even shop by cause, whether it's mental health awareness, cancer, autism, wildlife, suicide prevention, the environment, and so many more. When you buy from one of their charity sets, 5% of your purchase gets donated to the one you choose. We are a Pura Vita affiliate, which means that when you purchase from Pura Vita by using the link provided down in the show notes, we get a small commission from your purchase and that supports us. This means that you can support actually three things at one time. 
Everwinding Circles, Pura Vida's great work, and the phenomenal cause you choose. All at the same time, you can do good times three. This is the perfect kind of win-win for our world and our future. Now we'll go back to the show. So thank you so much for for allowing me to pause there. That, that, that you know, we, we are trying to grow the ever-widening circles universe mm-hmm. so hard without the benefit of really intense advertising agendas. And, and so I just am so grateful for the help that that organization is adding to our cause. So, so let's, let's continue talking about this, this view of reality that you have, because I think this is what I've noticed most uh, during the ever widening circles journey for conversations I've had with thought leaders like you is that your faith, I, I would consider you a social innovator. Oh, and I tell you, there, and I, and I'm a social innovator too. We're we're thinking about a vis, a view of possibility that we just know is right there around the corner if we only did this or that, right? And that is a roller coaster, mm-hmm. <laughs> as you know. There's ups and downs and loop de loops all the time. But what I notice about thought leaders like you is that there's a view of a possibility that you have that keeps you getting up morning after morning even after you've gone through one of the loops to loops. So help us imagine if more people knew what you know, if more people celebrated what you celebrate, more people and more children understood the kind of wonder that you've seen in so many of their eyes. Tell us what that, that, la- that entire landscape looks like to you. I, you know what? I imagine I'm going into like my Walt Disney mode right now. Um, okay. I just imagine that if we all allowed ourselves more to, we disconnect from our childhood at a certain point or from our childlike joy, because I know that not everybody's childhood was very joyous, but when you are a child, you know, there is so much less inhibitions because you're working your way through the world. So you're just much more raw with your emotions and accessing yourself. And I just, as we get older, it's, so palpable to see that people disconnect from that possibility, from allowing themselves to access that 24-7 childlike joy. And so I love to bring play into people's lives. Okay, great. To bring playfulness and joy. And I find that even even sometimes under the grumpiest person, that's right there under the surface. They're just waiting. They're literally just waiting for permission. And yes, it's only you that have to give yourself permission. But many times they need that permission from a person. So I'm happy to be that person to come in and do that. But Can I, I reject something here? Because I think that permission, for me, that permission, the words permission, it is all related to preserving other people's dignity. If, yeah. if you if you realize that it's a reach for someone is preserving their dignity and make it easy for them to reach with you. Tell me about that. Yes. We all want acceptance and love. We all want to be loved. We all want to be seen. Right. And many times to feel seen, we may feel that we have to stay tethered to a version of when we felt most seen at a certain, by a certain person or certain relationship or dynamic in our life. And Like what I'm here to say and what I'm figuring out in my, you know, 30 plus short years on earth is that nobody's got it figured out. Nobody. Okay. Nobody's got it figured out. So I start singing my hymns. Um, Like we're all on a journey. We're all on a journey. 
to figuring it out, right? And sometimes it can feel like it's figured out because there's doctrines or there's rules or things like that. But that's just another person that put that out there or made that up. So I'm imagining a world. And I think I think as challenging as this year has been, it has shown us that a lot. Everything has been upended or changed. The things that were have in a moment been pivoted or shifted. Now we're all working from home. Kids are doing schools outside of the physical schools. We're connecting differently, finding different ways to connect with our families. So we're rewriting all the rules now as we go. And I noticed that there's so much good going on as far as volunteerism and people sharing what they, what their, their skills with others and their passions with others. You've been doing an extraordinary amount of good work that's making the world a better place. Um, and, and tell us a little bit about those things so that people that are kind of thinking, okay, I'm ready to get out of this panic mode and start making the world a better place with, with my time. Tell, tell us about some of the cool things that you've been doing and finding or resonating with others. So give, give us some courage. So now during this time, yes, I, you know, we're in the time of COVID and a pandemic. And instead of running into my cave, I felt I grabbed my chef's knife and I ran out. I, I didn't know where I was running, but I said, I'm running to the front line. Where is it? <laughs> Put me in a direction. Like, I love that. I'm not a doctor or a nurse or, you know, but I, but like I said, instead of focusing on what other people can do, it's like, we each have a superpower, right? Mine is, I, I, I feel a lot. I'm very emotional since I'm a child. And when I was younger, I thought maybe that wasn't so positive. But as I've gotten older, I'm like, hey, that's my superpower. I feel like when I talk to people, I feel and I connect. And that is a beautiful and powerful thing. So I feel all the emotions with them. How lucky am I, again, that I get to live on this rainbow, beautiful rainbow of emotions. Um, And so in each community that I go into right now during emergency feeding, what I've been able to do is while there is a need, I've been able to bring joy through food and to connect with people in a really healing way. So I've been making 200 meals daily for communities that may not have access to fresh food year round and really showing not what we can't do with what we don't have, but what we can do with what we have. Right. Which is, it's like, what can you do with what you have? And, you know, I, I think, like I said, I, I'm, I think of my grandmother, great grandmother and mom so much. My great grandmother was born in 1901 and I am here now in 2020 talking to you. What vision did that woman have to have? Right. What dreams, whatever world she was living in, her dreams are why I'm here now. And so I, I think that all of us, we have to remember, like I say, future ancestors, you're not just dreaming for yourself, but you're dreaming for future generations. So even if you can't give yourself that permission, think about the future, you know? So for me, it's really easy to see the goodness in the world every day because people are so thankful when they receive a warm meal, when they share a food story or memory with you. I feel so grateful. So many organizations have stepped up in New York City. Like when we need to put a meal together, someone uh, someone gives the rice, someone gives the bean, a farm or gives the chicken. Maybe not everybody has everything to give, but they each give a little of what they got, right? And that's we where we're at. That's yes. where we're at. And I think that's where we're at as humans. We each give a little bit of what we got and we show up authentically as who we are. We don't need to try to be anybody else. Like 
it is enough. It is more than enough for yourself and for others. And when I show up that way in spaces, I find that others let their guards down and they start to show me. One of the communities I work in is uh, men and women that were formerly incarcerated. Many of them did 30, 40 years of incarceration. And these are some of the people that I call grandma, grandpa, auntie, uncle, because I'm meeting them where they are now, right? And they are not who they were 30 years ago, yeah, right? They are, and, and, and it is another thing that shows me the immense resiliency that we have as humans. See, I have a resilient chain on right now and our immense capacity for change and for love. That's what we're all bit, built, built for. <laughs> yes. I know we don't see it right now, but that's what's gotten us through hundreds of thousands of years. Our capacity for love and ingenuity and working together. That's really it. So you have just been such a joy to talk to today. I know that this podcast will go out and resonate with thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people. It's really where we're all connected is at food and your, your level of energy around it. Oh. I hope you'll, I, we didn't get to half the questions, as you know, that I, I sent you in that email. <laughs> so we'll just have to talk another time. I'll be so happy to come back on. I'm so like, I feel, I feel warm and high vibrations just from this conversation which is such a beautiful thing. People can't see your beautiful smile right now too. And, and we need more of this to connect, you know, like I love seeing a woman doing this right now. This is so inspiring for me. And like now we're in each other's circles and now we're connected and this is how you can right? This is yeah. how I have no doubt that our paths will continue to merge cross, and like, it's just how it is. And I'm like, Oh, new friend. Yes, absolutely. And that's the way we're going to get out of these difficult times is to look for the helpers and then become one. Yes. Yeah. So where's the best? Okay. People need to know right away. (laughs) What's the best way to keep up with your phenomenal work or to connect to it or to connect to people you're connecting to? Give me, give me all those connections. We're going to put it in the show notes down below as well, but let's, you know, give us, give us a rundown. So the best way to connect with me is probably on social media. So through Instagram and Facebook, happy, healthy Latina, because I'm happy, I'm healthy, and I'm Latina. And I have really great conversations over there. I also have my email, happyhealthylatina at gmail.com. People can shoot me an email, but I post about all of my virtual classes. I make a lot of free and low cost classes. I also post about food initiatives. All I post about my stories and I share good news happening in the community. So happy, healthy Latina. Instagram is the best way to stay connected with me and not just watch, reach out. You know, oh, that's lovely. It's a great invitation. That that is what we're where we're gonna move the ball forward from here is by the connections we make and the the things that we elevate to the yes. top of the internet. And I, I'm certainly delighted that that you're going in that direction. I hope I can help that. Yay! Okay, so we always end this podcast with one last question that I ask all my guests. You know, our our website is ever widening circles. And our second line is, it is still an amazing world. That's our thesis. That's everything we're about is proving that it is still an amazing world. So what reminds you every day that it's still an amazing world? What reminds me every day that it's still an amazing world is, I told you, my tiny miracle waking up every day. That lets me know that there's still a reason to be here, 
right? That there's a reason I'm meant to be here and that I should try to show up as my best self, but also spending time um, with our youth. I love spending time with children and with young community members, teenagers, because it's really a beautiful thing to see. You ask children what they want to be, they'll tell you what they want to be with such belief. You know, there is no thought of limitation or I can't do that or that might be hard. I'm going to be a pilot. I'm going to be an engineer. I'm going to be Superman. Right. And they tell it to you with such reverence and confidence. And I love that. And I'm like, yes, you are, boo. Yes, you are. So I love and I always kind of try. I'm like a scientist. I try to see when does that change kind of happen? You know, because sometimes I have the 18 year olds already trying to tell me a couple things about life. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Right. So I love spending time with our youth. And then on the other spectrum, I love spending time with elders. Very much so. So sometimes we can get locked into only spending time with your age group or wherever you are in life. And I really encourage us to reach our hand out in both directions to make that connection. Because talking to our elders also made me realize to to galvanize life, to go for it, to I'm personally not trying whatever's in my heart, I'm going to go for it, you know, and it's meant to be. It's not about wins or failures or losses, just about an experience I'm meant to have. So, yeah, generationally connecting with younger people and with older people really show me that nothing is forever, that anything is possible and that we are the drivers. Oh, my gosh. That is such a great sentiment to end on. Okay. Yadi, everything that she spoke about or referred to that we might have talked about here is going to be down in the show notes. So uh, check that out. We have a great podcast crew that that tees this all up. And and you please send us anything that you'd like to add there that we didn't get to because there was so much. And as always, dive into the ever-widening circles universe by visiting us there at everwideningcircles.com or we've made it a lot easier you can check out ewc.co. If there's students in, in your life, turn them on to the education version of Everwidening Circles over at ewced.com. Over there, we're turning children on to all the kinds of wonder and connection that Yadi just pointed us to. There, we, we are celebrating what's right with the world and children have antenna for that. And I think that's what Yadi just was pointing to. And subscribe to the Everwidening Circles app. That's the number one thing you can do to help our efforts. For less than a dollar a month, you'll have the antidote to the daily news right in the palm of your hand. And one dollar will help us send a signal to content creators that people are willing to support positive content. Our goal is to get a million subscribers in the coming year, and that will fundamentally change what rises to the top of the internet. I hope all these connections to goodness and progress carry with you through your week. My book, Happiness is an Option, is right there with the recipe for what we do next. So have a great week. Start finding joy and wonder. Thanks so much, Yeti. Oh, yay.